0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, December the 15th, 2023. If it's Friday, it must be that was the week, and it's the last that was the week of the year. Keith has decided to take the rest of the week or the year off to recharge his batteries uh one thing can be sure from uh my experience of that was the week um art uh dali generated or all these other ai generated art they're not going to put artists out of work the the quality of the art is dreadful and it gets worse. Every new piece of art that C- Keith creates for that was the week seems to be worse than the one before. Keith,
1: am I being unfair? Well, I, you know, not uh, speaking as not an artist myself, I'm not sure my judgment counts, but I, I would say compared to what I could have come up with without Dolly, it's a piece of um, excellent artwork. Well, it's And an what it's showing, by the way, what it's showing is um, – Uh, the media on the left yeah we
0: need to show because some people just be listening we have two images one of a i guess a, a a traditional google world and another of a google ai world and a group of people are shouting at one another and the the uh the catchphrase is baby please don't go big media needs google web search uh so what's the
1: point key well, so, so obviously web search started back in 1997 and um, initially was responsible for sending lots of traffic to places like the New York Times still is. And at some point in history, around the middle of the 2010-ish kind of era, media started to get the idea that Google was stealing its lunch and wanting Google to pay it for the content that Google indexes. And of course that, that never panned out because Google's a search engine and an index, and the media benefits, one would argue, by traffic, but they never saw it that way themselves. So there's this been this constant narrative that
0: although to be I mean it's not that simple because of course in Europe in particular, Google convinced not Google, Google's critics convinced some regulators
1: to force google to pay for links back okay i think they almost never have there are some exceptions it's true but they almost never have i think they were going to pull out google i think they did it in canada they threatened to pull out if they had right, to pay
0: right. uh, aggregators or news newspapers online newspapers for google links and, yeah, and the but, reason i bring up by the way that thing about putting people out of work uh dali putting artists out of work is of course this is Part of an ongoing discussion about whether or not AI is going to put creatives, journalists, writers, artists out of work.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so with the images, the left hand one is historically saying it's the media shouting at Google, you're stealing our content. On the right hand side is this week's news, which is baby, please don't go with the media screaming at Google to not adopt AI, in replacement for search, but to keep search going because the media feeds off the traffic it sends them. So it's kind of turned into its opposite. With and it, all more, this
0: comes from, a, I thought, an, a particularly interesting piece in the journal Wall Street Journal, which tends to have very good quality, high quality uh, tech reporting uh, on a piece, I think it was from yesterday news publishers see Google's AI search tool as a traffic destroying Nightmare, so what's the point of that piece, Keith?
1: Well, obviously when you use AI, uh, Google's version is called BARD, and underneath the surface of BARD is Gemini Plus, which is the, the uh, large language model. Well, they just
0: came out with a, a new version last week, too.
1: Exactly, so basically- They cooked. Yeah, so if, so if Andrew Keen instead of going to Chrome and typing in a search and getting search results, starts using BARD, there will be no links. But BARD will give you the answers to the queries. It will have been trained on all kinds of data, including the ability to do web searches. But those web searches will be hidden in the background, and BARD will just give you the results, often with no link. So the theory is AI will get rid of traffic that emanates from links delivered by Google.
0: And that is a genuine fear. I mean, you and I were playing around this week with um, Chat GPT, and you played some audio directly linked with Chat GPT over your phone that was actually quite compelling. So we're not that far away from this supposed dystopia, at least for search engines.
1: I, yeah, I think I think the big point is that web search pr- quite probably represents a stage in the evolution of technology that will become rapidly outdated with AI. And so the very concept of web search, even the concept of traffic may go away because traffic is only, it, it, the only reason traffic exists is because users want content. If content is delivered to them by AI, there will be no traffic. There'll just be flows of information. And this is—I
0: mean, this word gets used all the time in Silicon Valley—disruptive. But this is, this is, and to borrow another word, radical. This is radically disruptive for the the Web two
1: economy, isn't it, Keith? Very disruptive. It it take it take Web two was really about the move away from portals to distributed content. It coincided with things like YouTube embedded videos or RSS feeds um, uh, or news readers. And this is the transition from uh, content to be navigated to or even pulled it in. Now you're moving to content being understood and explained to you, and you don't actually see the content.
0: And all this is in the context, there was the, you have a, a link to the Wall Street Journal piece on whether or not this. Google AI search is a nightmare or perhaps the solution for the creative community. And alongside this, there was a very interesting announcement of a partnership between Axel Springer, the German publisher, and OpenAI. So tell us about that and how this connects to the question of the future of search.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to assume that OpenAI drove this deal, but it could be that Axel Springer did, or it was roughly equal. But uh, OpenAI has a vulnerability, which is that it trains its models on content, publicly available content for sure, but it uh, it does train on content. And there is an underlying narrative, which I believe to be wrong, that says they're stealing copyright. We hope it's publicly available and we hope it's legal. We don't know for sure, though, do we? Well, they, they assure us that that's true and I've got no reason to disbelieve well, them. Well, you have no reason to believe
0: but, them either. But, they're not uh, going to admit that they're illegally taking content.
1: No, but it'd be easy to prove. If they're doing logins and passwords, it would be super easy. Well, they'd have, it isn't that easy. They'd have
0: <laughs> to open their black box. They'd have to show exactly how their chat GPT LLM is learning.
1: No, well, that's where your technical knowledge is is failing you. <laughs> uh, on the receiving end, Axel Springer would see a crawler log in uh, using a password and gain access to content that requires a login, and they would be able to trace no, that. No, no like, you
0: got my. Leaving aside the Axel Springer piece, which I want to come to,
1: my point is that
0: we we're still not entirely clear, to put it mildly, of 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 how chat GPT is learning and whether all the content that they're learning off these guardrails, these learning systems, that they're getting their hands on this stuff legally. There's all sorts of
1: No, I'll, I'll, I'll let me No, I'll, uh, let me repeat what I said then in a different way You can see if you host content that is not publicly available, you can see when someone accesses it in your log files. So you would know and you'd out And would have to see their log files no, but Jackie what I'm saying is the offended party, let's say it's the New York Times, they would say, Our content's being stolen. Here's the proof. And no one said that.
0: You may, I, I, I'm not technically proficient enough to call you on that. That sounds
1: all too easy. But anyway, go on. So, so we got this so, open so AI. Axel Springer, yeah. The Axel Springer thing. It, it's fantastic. It's basically Axel Springer, which is a major publisher, saying, You can use our stuff uh, to to train on, and we'll do a commercial deal. They're obviously paying them something, Um, and that who's paying who something? OpenAI will be paying uh,
0: Axel Springer for access to all their information. But why do they need that? They're opening up their
1: well, uh, because no, no,
0: Axel Springer all all their content
1: because Axel Springer sees the future and realizes that if you don't play you're going to be a net loser because these systems don't need, they're not like a web index where they need everything. You're training logic. So by definition, uh, you only need enough content for the training to be successful. You'll see there's another article, by the way, implying from Michael Perek saying that the LLMs are getting smaller and smaller whilst getting cleverer and cleverer.
0: Yeah, that was an interesting piece. So presumably they can create uh, sorry, that they can create um, small LLMs or SLMs, specifically what, for Axel Springer content? Is that how it would work? Uh,
1: well, any, anyone can create small LLMs that are really good at a discrete set of things. And, 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 th- and that probably represents a big part of the future. So Axel Springer is basically saying we want to be in this party. Uh, Plus, we can make some money by being in this party. Whereas, for example, the publishers that are complaining about Google, at this stage at least, are resisting fully jumping into the pool with both feet. And, And if the future truly is no websites and no traffic, that's a foolish decision.
0: But the future, if the future is no websites and no traffic, there's still a future for journalism and for content creators. In, in some ways, there's more of a future. We go back to the, the pre-web 2.0 period, don't we? Well,
1: how will, how will it be consumed? If, if, if the average individual, and I'm thinking about my children here, consumes content no longer on social media, no longer on websites, but through an AI interface that knows everything, you know that's a very different world well we've got let's let's use an example we've got um the
0: spurs forest game coming up and that's why we have to end at noon pacific i, I want to know the the spurs team today normally i would just do a web search and find the team but i would be able to ask open ai or google gemini or all these and say tell me the spurs team for forest today How's that going to work in terms of does advertising go away? So I'm just gonna get a free, free information. Who's gonna make money out of that? and, and the the, econo- the the economics changed dramatically leaving yeah, aside it, the technology
1: yeah. well we, we you know we've always said that the value of content goes to zero. Uh, it's like in music, the bands make most of their money from live performance now. So you know clever people want to make money probably are not going to make it from writing content
0: but you're, you're 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 skirting the issue who's going to make money out of that normally i would go to google i would find out and i'd have to see some advertising to do it that's the price so to speak
1: yeah google Where's well, well, well,
0: the price on on open ai
1: well let me let, let's test something um hey uh, can you tell me the tottenham hotspur team that's playing nottingham forest today you'll have to do a web crawl here it goes. The Tottenham Hotspur team playing against Nottingham Forest today has been confirmed. Ange Postecoglou, the Spurs manager has named an unchanged starting as I'm I'll stop game. it because it's gonna give yeah. the answer.
0: I mean, so it gave us the answer. But no one's making any money out of that. I mean, I guess you do you pay $20. for. Your- I, did,
1: I pay $20 to chat GPT a month. Um, uh, and we'll continue to do that. And I'll probably pay more if they have a- enhanced services. So uh, the, the the information about the Tottenham team is is worthless.
0: Well, it was worth. It did have value in, in in the Google search engine days, in the sense that I would be willing to see some ads in exchange for for, for knowing the team. That, now, well, that
1: goes away if there's no traffic. There's no ads. But by there way. is, in a no, sense, no.
0: traffic, Keith. I mean, there's. Well, not really. Asking, not I am traffic, and I'm asking the the search engine.
1: Yeah, but uh, no advertiser is going to show an ad to ChatGPT. Um, so basically, the way it's going to work, and by the way, this is why Google and uh, and uh, the media companies, which that article gives the impression they're adversaries in some way, actually, if you read the article, the Google one. They're not adversaries. Google's working very hard with the media companies to try to figure out how traffic and web search survives. Well, but the thing with Google is that they're hedging their bets because half the
0: company is dedicated to search and half to AI, so I don't see how they lose on this.
1: Well, they lose if the web search people can't retain user usage of the interface.
0: Well, not if they can figure out an AI business because...
1: The AI business, between you and me, you think about it, chat GPT is so far ahead and doesn't have ads. Would you go to a worse AI? Well, without... not everyone, Keith, agrees on that. And by the way, there was another interesting
0: piece you said uh, in in the news. It's a particularly good newsletter this week, last one of the year, um, by uh, Eric Hall. Excuse me, but the industry's AI is disrupting and not this lucrative would that include the media business is that what he was saying
1: i think he's saying that yeah uh, th- there's a good riposte by rohit um uh krishnan krishnan uh who disagrees with him strongly uh, i put both in because actually they're both long reads these are christmas reads they're both very long essays and very thought through but he's saying that um you know the truth is that really valuable content um, isn't accessible to ChatGPT, and you're still going to need to pay for it. Uh, and so the things it's disrupting, I think he's completely wrong. By the way, I mean, yeah, it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight.
0: And meanwhile, the issue of creatives and AI is enormously hot. Hamish, uh, I was going to call him Hamish Substack. Hamish McKenzie, the founder and CEO of Substack suggests that the AI revolution is an opportunity for writers, the humankind. He always writes these things. Any new technology is good for creatives as long as they're on Substack. Is it yeah. right, though, do you think? is a, Could AI be good for Substack writers or online writers?
1: Um, I, I, Well, it could be, but he's not right in the way he's thinking about it. What What he's saying is, okay, the content is going to become worthless but the human cultural aspects of writing and reading are gonna become more important. Uh, It's a little bit like saying bands will do concerts. He's basically saying creators will meet each other and their readers in the real world, and that that is where the valley will be. And uh, I I think there's some truth in that, uh, although the forms of that are yet to be figured out.
0: And for Hamish McKenzie, all roads, for better or worse, lead to substack, so that's given. What about uh, photography, Keith? You have another interesting piece. Everything seems to be changing. Why Vision Pro, the new uh, Apple uh, virtual reality thing, uh, will change photography? H- how's that going to change everything?
1: So this is written by Om Malik, who is... Um, uh, You're a big Om um, fan. Well, he's a friend, and uh, I like his thinking process. And he's basically a camera guy. He's uh, His best favorite cameras are made by Leica and with super expensive cameras and lenses, and he he takes fantastic photographs. And this week he looked at iPhone photos, iPhone videos, and his Leica photos on, on an Apple Vision uh, prototype. And he's reporting back saying, um, this completely changes photography because you get completely subsumed in the photograph down to a very detailed level, especially good photographs with good cameras. And he makes the point that the outcome is the opposite of what he expected. He he thought the outcome would be that the iPhone is good enough to replace his cameras. But his Leica photos were so good, looked at on the Vision Pro, that the opposite he thinks is true. He's gonna to have to keep buying expensive cameras because the impact, one, you once you look at it in 3D on one of these things is so fabulous that you don't want to give up on.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Just as the Google AI might be cannibalizing their search. So what you're saying or what Ohm is saying is that the new Vision Pro might be cannibalizing uh, the the quality of the Apple photography because of the Leica or, or other high-end stuff. Uh, Ohm is still around. Another person who has reappeared is Larry Lessig, my old sparring Friend, enemy, whatever you want to call him. Yep. He has come out saying how he learned to stop worrying and love AI. What is it about AI that Larry Lessig has learned to love?
1: Well, so so Larry is a lawyer at Stanford. Actually, <clears throat> uh, I think
0: mean, he got thrown out of Stanford.
1: Did he? Okay. Where is he now? Harvard. Oh, he's at Harvard. Okay. Well, that's not too bad, is it? Getting thrown out of Stanford and then. I don't up. think
0: he was thrown out, but anyway Whatever. he's not at stanford
1: anymore so so, so larry is, a, is a, has always been an advocate for democratization of various things and in this article um he explains how his subjective initial negative feelings about ai were completely transformed when he uh, argued a case with chat gpt and chat gpt understood his logic and Reaffirmed that in fact Larry is right on. Yeah, some
0: on uh, on RFK assassination, he's really taking on the new loony uh, RF RFK Jr. So
1: yeah, so he basically came to the point of view that um, ChatGPT is a better lawyer than most lawyers and a better judge than most judges, and he completely changed his view. I'm not so, sure whether that's something
0: to be celebrated. What happens to judges and lawyers and journalists? I'm not sure if Larry thought of that.
1: I'm not sure he really cares because his experience of judges and lawyers in particular is not healthily positive. Maybe
0: law professors like Larry Lessig out of work, too. That would be entertaining. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, we've talked a lot about Google. You have a piece from the information about Wall Street yawning at Google's monopoly threat. The, The Google stock seems to have held up reasonably well. Where are Google in this economy, you you think OpenAI is miles ahead? Not everyone agrees, Keith.
1: I think you'd find it hard to find someone who disagrees. Actually,
0: actually, there've been lots of pieces suggesting that Gemini or the new version of Gemini competes quite well with OpenAI.
1: Well, I've used anyway. That's um, another issue. Yeah, yeah, I've used it, and I beg to differ. I don't think it's as good. But uh, there you go. So, where where is Google? Google. Has been on a constant transition from web search to whatever the future holds. Really, since two thousand and seven, when the iPhone came out, you could argue that Android is part of that. And the finding this week was that the Android app store is a monopoly because Google has used it to the detriment of Epic. The 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 yeah, they lost that
0: big case.
1: They lost. They lost a big jury trial.
0: I'm guessing they don't have very good lawyers. Google.
1: Yeah. And that and and and, and maybe really, they should
0: replace some of their lawyers, Keith.
1: <laughs> we won't go there. But but losing a jury trial is kind of significant because it means you've lost the uh, the audience. Yeah, but
0: Apple also kind of implicitly lost that epic trial in the sense that it was, in a way, a judgment against both the Apple and the Google store business model.
1: I don't. That's not my reading. My reading is that Apple, because the iPhone is not. Unlike Android, which is an open platform with lots of developers and phone manufacturers like Samsung, the app store that Google owns is, you know, more, more of a problem. Because Apple is the sole owner of the iPhone and, and, the, and also the sole owner of the app store, that's less of a problem because it, it's the app store for the phone that they own. So I think Apple's on solid ground at not being a monopoly. It is a closed environment, but that's not the same as being a monopoly.
0: We are speaking with Keith Teer, CEO of Signalrack, and the author of the excellent weekly uh, newsletter. That was the week. You should all subscribe. This week he's showing off his amateurish, AIR, once again, talking about Google. Are you a buy or sell on Google? I mean, it seems like you could make either case or you're simultaneously baking both cases, Keith. Should Google be worried about this future or should they embrace it? Uh,
1: I, I mean, if you look back at my writings on TechCrunch from even 10 years ago, I've been a sell on Google ever since mobile came along. Now, you know... Well, some, probably,
0: might, some people might say, well, every clock's right twice a day twice a day so
1: yeah but if you'd have put your money right
0: so far in the last 15 years
1: if you would have put your money into apple in 2013 uh, yeah but
0: that's uh, true of anything
1: yeah but in 2013 no one knew that but i did
0: (laughs) did you put your money into apple a
1: a, a huge chunk of my retirement account is apple wow we know where to go
0: now if we want some
1: money um Keith, uh,
0: the startup of the week is not Google. It's not Apple. It's not Microsoft. It's a company, I have to admit, I'd never heard of called Farmer's Dog. Unfortunately, we don't have your dog in the background wrecking this broadcast. (laughs) $800 million in sales. What is Farmer's Dog?
1: Well, so so Farmer's Dog. um, And so as you know, I I do have a dog. And a noisy one too. So we feed our dog on these um, dry pebble-like food, um, which the dog rejects every now and then. And so we supplement it every now and then with a tin of juicy, meaty kind of beef, which it also rejects every now and then. What Farmer's Dog does is it appeals to people who have got the budget for proper food for their pets. Yeah, And so it basically gives you a subscription to proper food. Real, real human consumable quality food, but at a price you're prepared to pay for your pets above the price I pay for my pet, but you know, with it doable. So, um, it's interesting that as you move to a leisure economy, uh, pets become more central to human happiness and people care to look after their pets. So, there's an upmarket just like there is in, say, coffee beans. There's an upmarket in pet food, and the farmer's dog owns it.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting, it's, it's a very good name for a company. Um, and when you walk around San Francisco or Vancouver or New York, you see all these people with their dogs carrying them around as if they're humans. So uh, that is a good start for the week. Uh, and finally, Keith, X of the week is your old friend Vinod Kozler. I know he's invested in some of your companies. What is... Vinod's saying that's impressive this week.
1: So Vinod, Vinod uh, talked about leadership. This is, this is a video, uh, it, by the way, it's not that new. It just uh, has been shared a lot this week. And his main, his, his main um, point, which I think is a crucial point, I see that with my kids, is understanding that all learning is driven by failure and leadership benefits from failure and that success is earned, not given. Uh, And and so I thought those are are fantastic messages, but the reason I chose it is Vinod's kind of made a highly public comeback in recent months. He's ever present on Twitter now. He's a zealot and an advocate for point of view and very good at articulating it. And I just think um, he's my age, At, at, at his age, he is showing the world what um, true leadership is about. I think he's very good. Uh, there's all kinds of critiques you can make of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: he's a sort of he's become, and this is something quite quite an achievement. He's become a palatable version of Mark Andreessen. Mark Andreessen has become so unpalatable that even Vino Kozler, who had a terrible press because of all that story about him owning public beach property and not allowing people on it, suddenly he's become more palatable, which isn't saying anything. There's also an alternative X of the week. I don't normally do this, but it's from our friend Albert Wenger, a partner at uh, Union Square Ventures. And he was commenting on this Axel Springer connection uh, partnership with uh, OpenAI. He said, um, and, and I'm quoting Albert, this speaks volumes about the lack of an ethical North Star for OpenAI AI. Springer is essentially Waystar Rocco, uh, Royco. Uh, Albert is German, so he knows all about Springer. So, uh, what, who, so give,
1: me, give me the context on Waystar Royco. So this is
0: a, a, a Star Wars thing suggesting that um, Springer is a rather nasty piece of work. So, uh, There's an alternative version on the Springer OpenAI deal, which is the first of many, and I think we'll talk about many times before. Yeah. So, Keith, um, we're not doing any more. That was the weeks until the end of the year. You refused to do predictions, but we might do a review of twenty twenty three, right?
1: Yeah, we'll do that as a Keenan show. So, can we
0: predict that? Is that one prediction that you'll you'll tie your name to? Yeah,
1: I can predict there will be a twenty twenty three review show on Keenan with me as the guest.